This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode on Press One for Nick. I'm your host, Nick Lemsdahl, Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. On this podcast, I sit down with customer service and customer experience leaders to talk about their stories, best practices, and lessons they've learned along the way. Let's get started. I'm honored today to have Neil Toff. Neil is not only the founder of CallZilla and an ICMI top 50 to follow, but he's also recently created a podcast, Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Welcome to the podcast, Neil. Nick, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I love that you're uh, taking the same route with the podcast. It's a, it's a true pleasure to be part of this. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you, you, set, the, you set the bar, so I'm just trying to follow you and, and uh, learn from, from your success. Thank you. I appreciate it. Look, this is, uh, I think you and I are walking many of the same circles as far as what they call thought leaders and people to look to. And you, you look, I look at your stuff on LinkedIn. I, I love the stuff that you post and comment on. It's original. It's thoughtful. It's considerate. It's not regurgitating. You're, you're, you're actually creating and sharing valuable stuff that we all learn from. So it's, it's a thrill to be part of it. I, again, thank you for, for including me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to kick things off, how long have you been in customer service? So I've taken the um, path less traveled to customer service. I've been doing this for, I think, 16 and a half years now. Uh, I am not someone that uh, started in the contact center. I never worked the phones. Uh, I never had a contact center job. Uh, many people that I found in our world started in some way, shape, or form doing some, one of those uh, tasks, working the phones, being involved in the contact center, and, and that's not me. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I'm from uh, the Washington, D.C. area, uh, suburban Washington, D.C., Chevy Chase, Maryland. And I got to tell you, like growing up, I didn't know what a call center was. I, I, I never heard of that. And if I had, I probably would have looked my nose down on it. Um, I took a business path into this. Long story short, I uh, work in telecom. I worked for one of the greatest companies uh, in our lifetime, I think, in the U.S. called MCI the phone company that rivaled yep. and challenged AT&T. So I had a telecom background. Long story short, internet boom, end of the 90s, beginning 2000s. Uh, we have global crisis. And right before the global crisis hit because of 9-11, I decided to take a different route and went and got an MBA. And I knew coming out of the MBA, I wanted to do something entrepreneurial, something on my own. I, the, the, the big company experience was amazing. I had this telecom background, but as I came out, there were no telecom jobs. <laughs> but what there was when I would look for telecom jobs were call center jobs. There were mm. thousands of call center jobs ranging from call center agent or they would call them customer service, customer service support, that kind of stuff. But I knew that wasn't me. I was coming out of an MBA. I wanted to do something a little bit, what I thought was more sophisticated. Anyway, a guy who, who you, you probably are familiar with and is certainly a thought leader in our space, um, Chad McDaniel. Uh, headhunted me at that point. And I don't know why. There was, I never worked in the call center space, but he had an opportunity for me. And he hired me to be the VP of biz dev for at the, what at the time was a very large BPO in uh, Colombia, South America, which I have a separate uh, tie-in connection to. Long story short, um, I told Chad, look, I, I, I don't know. I got to learn. I know some telecom stuff, but like, I'm sure like, you know, the things I know about 800 numbers, they'll apply to this somehow. <laughs> well, what, right. what a surprise, right? 
Uh, I, but I, it was like a baptism by fire. I jumped right in and got an incredible education on what customer service and call center and nearshoring and BPO, this whole world and ecosystem that we all live in now. I got a great education to that over a year and a half. Um, I learned about things like the ISO quality system. I learned about things like customer experience. I learned a little bit about call center operations, although I never really had a chance to walk the call center floor that extensively and interact with call center agents and listen to call recordings. I just kind of, I, I would smell it and breathe it a little bit and I'd hear some stories, but I was out there selling it, selling the services. Anyway, uh, because of the business background, I realized that, wait a minute, there's something here. There's, there's business to be had. And the combination of nearshoring and, and outsourcing uh, at the time, going back now about 15, just about 15 years, 15 years, June 30th, I co-founded my company, CallZilla, with a partner. And so that was your aha the, moment. It was the aha moment. It, it wasn't exactly one quick moment, but it was a, it was a, a kind of genesis over, it was a genesis over a period of time um, because we felt the opportunities, we knew the opportunities were there. Fast forward, we formed the company, shoestring budget, bootstrapped it. And we said, we, let's see if we can get a client. Got a client and we just destroyed the client. I mean, I got to tell you, we, uh, thankfully the client didn't sue us. We did a terrible <laughs> job. It, it's one of those stories that we just had no idea what we were doing. We thought we went into it like thinking, all right, we got this. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to our plan yep. of attack how we're going to operate it. And it just, it kind of fell apart. Um, we obviously had to regroup and we realized a ton of different things. If you don't own and operate the decisions around the people who to hire, who to fire, how to train them, what to train them on, the systems, how to get calls from one place to another, how to show the reporting, who's going to walk the floor and supervise it. We didn't have full control over those things for a number of different reasons, the business model. And we was wait a minute, we, we, we've got to, you know, invest some more money, but more effort and operational focus on this. And I got to tell you, we've been doing it for the last 15 years. We've been iterating. My partner is a technology guy, uh, brilliant business mind, but he's never worked in a call center floor either. He, he's, he's as pickier than I am and, and would have looked his nose down on walking on the call center and working <laughs> in the call center as much as I, as much or more than I would have. Yeah. But we've learned, we've iterated, we've adjusted, we've paid attention to, to the thought leaders in this world. I mean, forums like ICMI have been incredible learning um, or, 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 you know, learning experiences, SOCAP, uh, sharing Absolutely. the stuff on LinkedIn that you and I, you and I uh, uh, share stuff. Th those, I learned from everybody. And like I said, 15 years is an amalgamation of all those experiences and contacts and connections. And here we are. Wow. What a story, man. Um, yeah. So what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started out? Lots of things. <laughs> uh, lots of easy, of course, lots of things. Um, there's no call center easy button. There's no button you press that everything is resolved. Yeah. Every single challenge in the contact center, from people selection to to uh, hiring to people management, those have their own unique processes and details. And you got to have people that are experts in each and one of those areas. The same in operations, people that really like the operation. The operation is the most tedious, toughest thing when you're trying to manage and balance technology, people, performance, customer expectations, client expectations, if you're a, a vendor, et cetera, et cetera. There's no call center easy button as much as I thought it was. So our first client, we were selling, it was a sales program. And I thought, you know, I would do this. Come on, guys, start selling. 
what do you mean you're not selling? What, but the conversion percentage is supposed to be this, not this. <laughs> and right. I would like, come on, just start selling. And I realized that no, it's not, it's not, you don't clap your hands. You don't press a button. There's right. training, there's, there's vision, there's definition, there's mission statements. There's all types of things that you have to be able to put into place and define. By the way, I'm going to kick the credit to this concept to Jeff Toyster, who's always mm -hmm. said, you must define everything you do in the contact center. And I didn't understand that. You had to define. Yeah. We would have to define. I got to tell these people what they're doing. They just know what to do. <laughs> Wrong. Right. You have to get them to, you have to define and share the mission and communicate it. And there's just no easy button. You have to be very deliberate and intentional in everything you do in the contact center. So you're saying that you can't just have a, uh, have a mission statement and then kind of set it and forget it. Right. That's not I gotta how tell you, 15 years, man, I've been doing that. I, I, I set, I've set mission statements before and shared it and hit send on the email and said, all right, guys, here's the mission statement. And then right. when it comes back a month later and then I point to the mission statement and said, wait a minute, but our performance doesn't reflect the mission statement or the yeah. problems that the client is complaining about don't reflect the mission statement. No, it's not like that. I, and I know you said it facetiously, but that's how I originally came into this of thinking, I'm going to yeah. just put it on the email. I'll think about it. It won't really matter that much. What does it matter? Mission statement. Who cares? It matters, man. It really matters. You've got to have people really marching to the beat of that mission statement. Not an easy task to get, you know, at our stage of the game now, fortunately, you know, several hundreds, hundreds of people, but even your management team, you got people going in different directions. And if you don't corral them within the mission statement and have them understand it and act accordingly, yep. it's never going to work. Yeah. I think this is a, a, a good time to pivot on uh, from your perspective, what is the difference between customer service and customer experience? So coming from the BPO world, we are largely responsible for customer service. But by the time a call or chat or email gets to us, there's a whole set of other interactions and activities and experiences that have taken place. What happened in the buying experience before a transaction actually took place between customer and brand. All those touch points, whether it was at retail, whether it was online, whether it was through Amazon, there's, there's a trillion different possibilities and iterations of what happened before the transaction took place. Once a transaction took place, also what happened? Did someone go to a store to try to return something? Did they have a question that wasn't answered? Did they go to the website? Did they call into the contact center? Did they not want to call and want to chat? Like that whole series of, of, of activities and touch points in the ecosystem, that's the customer experience. I also like to use the word journey. What was the journey? How did the person before they were a customer get to the brand? What was that like? What happened once they became a customer and transacted? And once they've become a customer, what has happened kind of in the post-sales world? Uh, you know, communication channels, uh, number of interactions, were they resolved, were they not resolved? And then you have you know, a whole separate thing around customer lifetime value, but it's certainly, I think it's an ecosystem. And those of us in the BPO or, or call center or contact center world, we manage the first part of it, customer service, but the brand is responsible for the rest of the ecosystem. And that ecosystem is called, in my opinion, customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I heard of it um, inside that customer journey is what are, the, what are your customers thinking, feeling, saying, and doing? Um, and if you go through that process, that contact center is significant inside that customer experience, but it's only a piece of the pie, but it is a, is an important piece of the pie. Yeah, exactly. So if you look at, you know, voice of customer metrics, so things like CSAT 
or uh, net promoter score or customer effort score or even you know FCR isn't necessarily uh, VOC but 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 resolution. The contact center can control a certain segment of those, and in some cases it can control all of it, but in many cases it can't. There are processes, there are other elements and groups that are part of the organization, the supply chain, um, uh, operations and just general operations in a company, you know, things that the contact center doesn't even come into contact with or know about or influence or have, have a seat at the table of discussions and decision making that definitely affect customer experience. So I, I've always made sure that uh, you know, the clients that we serve in the BPO world understand, look, we can only control certain things. What we can control, we're going to try to do our best to absolutely influence those and provide outstanding performance and high quality and all those things like that. But you also have to understand the contact center can't be held responsible because uh, the shipment didn't get out the door. Right. Right. That, that kind of stuff. And oh, no, by the way, it's a whole set of IT things, systems and accesses and, and things that the contact center usually doesn't control or influence either. Those are, that's a whole nother ball of wax when you talk about customer experience. But uh, again, the point being, I think that the contact centers can only control so much and only be held accountable for so much. Right. No, that's a great point. You know, when it comes to the contact center, um, you know, I think uh, somebody said, I think it was Roland Trollope from, from uh, the CEO of 5.9. He said, uh, the contact center has innovated more in the last five years than it has in the last 25 um, you know, what are you paying attention to in the next one to two years on the innovation side? So I think when you and I first started talking about kind of thoughts about for today, one of, one of the questions I think as you wrote it was, what are you looking at for the next 12 to 24 months? And, and before these last two years, I think I would have said, oh, you know, we've got to have a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. I don't think you can do that anymore. There's no five-year plan or 10-year plan. It's impossible to predict what tools and technologies we're going to have at our disposal. I think you look at up to two years. So in our world, we have traditionally been a live agent only BPO with brick and mortar. Obviously because of COVID, the whole brick and mortar world has been challenged. We are now working almost exclusively from home. So we have a challenge to figure out what our next, uh, you know, site uh, plan looks like, meaning are we going to have, no site. Are we going to have some site? How many sites? What are the sites going to look like? Look like? Are, are they going to be as uh, close uh, in terms of space as they had always been? Or are we going to be able? Do we have to, you know, build out some additional space because of right. what's going on in, in, in health conditions and, and ergonomic conditions? All those things. So space is certainly one of them. We're going to have to pay attention to and where the work will be will be done. But beyond that, as a live agent BPO, one would have thought, well, wait, live agent BPO, you know. You, you're going to worry about the agents and hiring and firing and training agents. Well, yeah, I mean, all that stuff. Absolutely. But I got to tell you, I'm kind of tired of training and hiring and firing people. Like <laughs> I think that's a very difficult end game. And by the way, the costs of this stuff just continue to go up. People get more and more expensive. Benefits get more expensive. It costs more and more to train them. Uh, wage inflation, at least up before COVID, you know, salaries were increasing, increasing in most of our, our labor markets. It's a very hard uh, uh, treadmill to keep up on. We have to look at automation. Automation is the key. Uh, and as a live agent center, people used to always say, well, what do you mean automation? I mean, you're, you're going to put yourself out of business. No, of course not. Now we're bracing it. We need to be able to offer automation tools and understand where and when to off offer them, how to combine them with live agent or, how, or the other way around, how to offer mm -hmm. and lead first with the automation and then introduce live agent as 
as a part of the automation tool when necessary. It's an ecosystem. I think there are times and places for each of them. They have to be looked at on individual case basis, bases, and that's what we're trying to figure out in the next uh, you know, 12 to 24 months. I'll, I'll say this to close this particular point off, is that uh, in our company at the board level, we said we need to um, adopt a revenue plan uh, that a certain percentage of revenues in this, this current year, year one, two, and three of the next three years of what we think, how we're going to transfer and, and, and transition from live agent only to automation and what percentage of our overall revenue mix should live, uh, should, should automation have, and it will be growing. So we are very much uh, and proactively and energetically pursuing the opportunities around live agent, getting our hands around the technology. We have some tools, uh, but those tools are just going to get better and better and probably cheaper. So it's, it's a, it's a big thing. It's all around automation for me. Yeah, <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. You know, when it comes to the customer, they want to find uh, their a solution to their problem as quick as possible with the least amount of effort. And if automation is it, then it's it, right? If, if you can find a way to, to bring them to that last person that they spoke to around accounts payable and you're saying, Hey Joe, it was great to talk to you again. How's it going? And it, you didn't need somebody to go through that process and say, Hey, this is <clears throat> XYZ company. How can I help you? And then you have to explain your system again and it goes straight to Joe. It's a better experience, right? And it's both a better experience for, for the employee, but it's also a better experience for the customer. Absolutely. Nobody wants to wait around anymore. The days of, you know, making a customer wait, uh, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, or whatever, like that, I think it's a, it's a terribly selfish thing that we do. We have to offer, if we're not offering automation or bots of some sort, offer the opportunity to call them back, you know, callback strategy, or, you know, if someone chats in and a chat, chat agent is available, you know, take the number and say, we'll, we'll, we'll contact you back shortly. Or what you, the, the old days, for example, in emails, you know, service levels of 24 to 48 hours. What customer wants to wait around for that anymore? <laughs> They're going to run. And it's, it's too competitive right now, the way the world works. And, you know, there's, there's very few monopolies left. And, and uh, the customers churn. They're, they're, they're anxious. They're, they're, not, they're impatient. Um, and the world is too competitive, too many other competitive brands out there. So, yeah, I, I agree. Maybe it's not possible to automate everything. But if you could cut parts of it out and get right to the heart of the matter and skip processes and get – by the time the contact, the call, the email, the chat, whatever it is, gets to the live agent, all that stuff has already been hopefully kind of uh, chewed up and digested a bit so that by the time right. it gets into the agent's hands, they know yep. what they have to do. That's the yep. dream of automation and, yep. and we're, right. where we're all trying to get, right? Yeah, I think where it starts is automating the routine, right? If you can automate that process that you don't have to do or the, or the contact center agents don't enjoy doing, uh, that's the best place to start. And you can hopefully save money on that process too. But uh, yeah. one, one question that really uh, in, intrigues me is uh, what book or person has influenced you the most, um, let's say in the last year? So I, I would divide it into a couple different things. Um, I think in our particular world of customer care, I'm reading this book right now. I'm not quite done yet. If you can, well, you can see it, but I'll, I'll read it for those that aren't, don't have the, the, the video on. Ignore your customers and they'll go away by Michael Solomon. I'm a big fan of Micah's. I think Micah's a pretty cool guy, a smart guy, practical. I love that about Micah's stuff. It's practical. It gives examples. It's real life. It's not theoretical and ethereal and stuff in the cloud. It's, 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 um, it's grounded. Um, that I would think in the customer care world. In the larger world, there's an author named Thomas Friedman, and his book is, I think, hopefully I don't botch the title, something about 
thank you for being late, I think is what it's called. Um, it just kind of talks about not necessarily the business world, but the, the, the world at, as we are living in it today and how the business world and expectations have changed and the way people interact and communicate. It, it's, a, it's a really good read. Uh, I think there's some lessons. By the way, Free, Thomas Freeman writes books you know, every year to three years maybe. And so he's due for another book. But uh, I love his stuff, and he's, a, uh, he's someone I look to for, for kind of like inspiration. We talk about the future and, and kind of where things are going. I think he's a, he's a fun one. And, and any of um, um, – uh, I just forgot his name. I can't believe I just forgot his name one second. Uh, the author of Outliers. Um, um, it'll come to me in a second. Anyway, his stuff is really great, and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about in, in, in a second. The author of Outliers oh, is – Malcolm Gladwell? Exactly, Malcolm Gladwell. Thank yeah. you. You had a senior moment for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, I love his stuff. And, and Outliers is um, is probably, I don't know, is it 10, 15 years old now? But like the lessons of Outliers, you know, there's a reason for everything. Nothing yeah. happens just because or because of luck. There's, there's usually an explanation behind things. I love that. That that message, I think, resonates, you know, as we continue to go and do all the stuff that we do. There's always a reason stuff happens. No one is just damn lucky, unfortunately. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, with the last question that I have is, um, you know, it's not really a question. It's more uh, a challenge to you and is what message would you like to leave the audience around customer service and a customer experience? You know, there's a lot of noise out there and what knowledge can you share with, with, with the audience? So on the customer care side, I, I like to tell our team members, our frontline employees this, Shut up and listen. Listen. Our role as providers of customer care is to listen. It's to let the customer express themselves. Usually the customer will share everything they need to share in the first portion of the conversation. We'll know how they feel, whether they're upset, they're angry, they're happy, they're pissed off or whatever. And listen. And if we can listen, usually that helps to disengage them and calm them down. And gives us a sense of what we need to do to fix their problem, what they're really looking at. Uh, some people in the mental health field say that it's never about the thing. Listen to them. It's never about the delivery that never got there. What's going to make them happy is you listen to them, let them get that bad energy out, and then they'll calm down. And then you provide a solution. But you can only provide a solution if you're listening. That, that this lesson applies in sales, it applies in customer care, I think it applies in leadership, it applies in HR and operations, it, it applies across the board. I, I, would, I, I, would, I would say this, um, shut up and listen. On the flip side, if, if you're a customer, know that the person on the other side of the chat or phone or email is a person, they have feelings, they have families, they are not perfect. The brands they work for are not perfect. The customer care platforms that they're using are not perfect. Cut them some slack. Customer care person is not out to screw you. The customer care person is not out to hurt you or to make your life miserable. Customer care person wants to help. Let them help you, but don't treat them like crap. I think that's, that's it. A little humanity, understanding, patience, and hopefully these lessons that we've learned in COVID will apply once we start to get out of COVID. A little more humanity, decency, patience, less volume, less keyboard strength, 
I think it's, it's, it would be that. That's awesome. That's a, a great, great nugget and, and great one to, to uh, finalize this one out. Uh, thanks for your time, Neil. Uh, where can people and listeners uh, find you? I appreciate it. I'd love to interact with people. So I'm fairly active on Twitter, at Neil Toff, N-E-A-L-T-O-P-F. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, although Facebook isn't the best place for business stuff to get a hold of me. But if you want to connect with me on Facebook, that's fine, N-E-A-L-T-O-P-F, but certainly LinkedIn and Twitter. If you're a texter, why not? I'm going to give you a, 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 my, my mobile number, 786-252-5620, 786-252-5620, texting or WhatsApp. By the way, talking about a communication channel for our world that's coming up, WhatsApp. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Uh, Nick, I really appreciate it. This is, this is sensational. I wish you the best of luck in your podcast work. You're doing great things. Your content that you're putting out there is amazing. You're a thought leader and your community is blessed to have you, to listen to you and watch you and hear you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thanks again, Neil. Take care. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm Nick Limsdahl, and until next time, focus on the customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.